WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week, our guests are the creative team behind the new image comic series, The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, Kyle Starks, and Chris Schweitzer. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much for uh, bringing us on, Matt. We We're happy to be it. here. Yeah. Uh, so right off the bat, uh, I, I don't want to dwell too long on old works, but I'm curious how no, many old, people... old works are great. Dwell on them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we dwell That's on them. You are a history buff. <laughs> That's what we say. You dwell on them, you sell on them. That's what we say. That's true. That, that was Kyle who just talked, by the way, and I'm Chris, uh, so that y'all can process <laughs> voices. Voice and disambiguation is a wonderful thing. Uh, I was I was curious how many people have come up to you at uh, shows or online and and told you that the end of Rock Candy Mountain made them cry, or if it was just me because I reread it this weekend in prepping for this episode, and I had to remind myself you're sitting on a Daniel you're sitting on a public beach right now and people could see you welling up with tears at that last splash page of Jackson. I've had a, I've had a couple. That was, you know you just want to make people cry sometimes. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, I've had a couple. It's, and that's what you want. You want, I mean, maybe not cry per se, but you know, you're looking for an emotional response in your funny book. I, I cried at it. He cries at everything. Yeah, I cry at everything. <laughs> uh, I think that I think that scene, uh, the end of Rocky Mountain, and there's a scene in Mars Attacks, which is also a book I did with Chris Schweitzer, mm -hmm. uh, my best friend and virtual student mate. That also people are like, "You got me, Starks," and I'm like. Well, you, met, you got your money's worth then. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Kyle, you were on the show once before. Chris, you're a new friend. Uh, what mm -hmm. are some of the first comics that you remember reading? Uh, for me, it was a lot of strips. So my, my granddad was a big comic strip enthusiast. My dad was as well. Uh, and they both got books as soon as books were uh, available to them. So I, I had... Um, uh, a lot of peanuts in the house growing up. Um, uh, Calvin and Hobbes started when I was six and I read that in the newspapers and got the trade collections as soon as those were done. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a Bern Hogarth Tarzan uh, graphic novel thing that I read to tatters. So uh, mostly stuff that I got from my, uh, from my parents. So, uh, or from my, from my dad uh, specifically. So uh, not really much by way of comic books until I was in about, uh, third grade and a friend gave me a copy of handbook of the Marvel universe. And then I was, I was sold. You know what I read before I was in the third grade? Nothing. <laughs> I, was a, I was a fucking kid. I didn't read anything. <laughs> like, what was your, what was your earliest experience with high literature? Cause it's like, well, in the fourth grade, let me tell you. <laughs> in the fourth grade, I was introduced to Dickinson. I didn't love it. He said as a four year old, his best friend, Tommy Millander, his finger halfway up his nose, his pants barely up. He says, I love Garfield. And Chris is like, Garfield's okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, I do love when people start their, their comics reading careers with like the encyclopedia comics, like the, the Ohatmu. Uh, the, the other uh, gentleman here, the esteemed, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Lazowitz, started with uh, a back issue of Who's Who in the DC Universe. There was a new issue at that particular time. Fair. <laughs> I, I think that stuff is great. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, and, and different generations have different things, but like the, the few year gap on either side of me, most of us tended to be Marvel kids because Marvel had an accessibility to it because of things like the universe and the trading cards and stuff like that that um, invited new readers to feel like they knew what was going on. So you had context for picking up just about anything, which was great. Absolutely. I mean, hey, if you're looking for a jumping on point, 
it, there's probably no better one than the one who actually explains what the characters are that you're looking at. <laughs> and I'm a sucker for straight from the front, e- easy. You can see what the costume looks like uh, drawings like that. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as a burgeoning artist, as a kid, you want that kind of thing because then you can look at them and, you know, you can copy it. You, you know how to draw, you know, Jubilee, you know how to draw Captain America. I'm, I'm using the, uh, we're 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 doing video. And I'm using the the prints behind. What's ever in the background? He's like he's uh, he's. These guys are sozying it. These guys are sozying you. <laughs> he's a ter- he's a terrible Kaiser Sosa. He gave it away mid doing it. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, so you guys are here promoting uh, the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, uh, your new uh, Image Skybound series. Uh, for the listeners, I'll read the solicit text real quick. Uh, the world's most unlikable action star has been found dead, and his previous TV sidekicks are looking to solve the mystery. But how can you match a murder, catch a murderer when almost everyone hated the victim? Now these sidekicks are going to learn what it means to be the stars of the show. That is, if any of them survived the stuntman war. Uh, stuntman war. <laughs> so uh, what is the origin of this project? So the origin of this project is that Chris came to me uh, one day and he said, Kyle, hey, Kyle, what if we did a book and it's called The Six Sidekicks of Captain Karate? And I said, that name is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I actually, you know, it's a lot of the pitches we we say, I say, I don't know if Chris likes how often I say it, but I say it's sort of like Knives Out meets Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which are two films that two of the few films we've seen together over the last year and a half. But I feel like it draws elements from both. And sort of when he came to the idea, it's like, oh, I want to do, I want to do a mystery. I want to be dummies. We want to go through sort of the history of television, which was the sort of once upon a time reference to me is like going through this fictitious career. I thought was really interesting. Um, and then we just sort of hashed it out. But it was, it was, I guess it was really Chris's idea. It, it was it was my germ of an idea and Kyle did so like a, anytime we have something where we work on the story together it's like me five percent Kyle 95 percent like he 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 flushes out all the stuff he comes up with the plot ideas and things like that and 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 I when we're when we're plotting together I serve him more of sort of like an editorial capacity where I'll run things by me and I'll be like but what if this, or how about this or something, and, you know, and we'll bounce things back, but almost everything that's in there is Kyle's, uh, brainchild. Um, plot wise, plot wise. Yeah. And you know, someone, I did a podcast the other day and someone asked, and I was trying to, how, trying to explain that what you just said without me sounding like an, a massive overlord, like, a, <laughs> like, well, like, cause I'm like, I'm like, I know it well, sounds like it sounds bad, but I'm telling you we're working really together. I just, well, there, very there is. And there's also, you know, when it comes to execution on the page, like I, there's a lot, I, you, you give me an awful lot of leeway on that. So, I mean, like, it's not like, you know, your, your, uh, remote control. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I don't my say, arm. It's, it's, I feel like yeah. it's difficult to really vocalize the sort of gestalt of our relationship. Yeah. Because I think it's like, I guess someone's like, so, so these characters, how much was, how much did each of you come up with? I was like, I was like, I kind of came up with all of them, but Chris designed them, see? So it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the thing is with Chris and I, like, you know, Chris and I are best friends in real life. He lives like 45 minutes away from me and we consider ourselves virtual studio mates. I, I honestly, I just run everything by him. Um, 
whether like, it's a project we're collaborating on or not. Yeah, like, no matter what it is. It's like everything goes by Chris at this point. And if Chris doesn't like it, then I hate it. Like, even <laughs> if I thought it was the best idea, I'm like, well, that one's out. Chris didn't like it. And he's the only one I'm really trying to entertain here. And um, Kyle hates all of my ideas. So if I can get yeah. him to where he's like, ah, that one's, that one's okay, then, then I know that I'm winning. It's true. He just hates the genres that I like. That, that's what it is. He doesn't necessarily hate the ideas, but he's like, are there bathrooms in this? And I'm like, uh, not... Uh, I hate period pieces. Not with what plumbing. He's and he's like, nope, I'm not. I hate them. <laughs> yeah. I, don't like any, I don't like to read anything where the whole time I'm trying to figure out how they go to the bathroom. Where they go to the bathroom. <laughs> what if I open? What if I open with a bathroom scene, Kyle, so that you, all the, answer, the questions are answered? No, no, because if you show me an old-timey bathroom, then I will only think about that old-timey bathroom and I'll be like fixated and annoyed and unhappy and it's like, listen, these guys, no matter what sort of dramatical issues you put them through, they have bigger problems. They're pooping like in a wooden hole. I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out where like the, the constipation scene from train spotting falls into all of this now. It doesn't, see, I know, I know where he's going to go. I know eventually he's going to use, they'll probably toilet the paper, maybe not. Oh, he uses a really terrible bathroom at the end though, right? Isn't it a really nasty bathroom that he, yeah, I've seen train spotting in years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Listen, I say, I say the filthiest bathroom in the world is, is better than just like a hole in the ground. That's what I say. <laughs> Maybe, and I don't so know. That's a, don't, don't hold me to that. And the trick is you're not only I, just limiting period, though, you're limiting geography, too. Yeah, I, like, I, Kyle, I use a hole in the ground like 10 like times a, like a Like an animal? Like an animal? Is that how I, you're going to finish that sentence? An animal doesn't put it in a hole, Kyle. I'm a, I'm a civilized man. I bury my stuff if I'm out. I know he's using toilet paper. I know you could have wet wipes. I know there's some sort of chemical treatment you could do to that hole. I'm just saying. I don't like period pieces. Chris has loved period pieces, but if I, we're going to do a whole I, show I of things, Chris likes, I keep, I keep, I keep toilet paper in the truck in case I, I need it. So I, I'm going to tell you that's. The, did you just say you? Tell me. I, I don't know. I don't know how how far away from like a. a bathroom i'm gonna be if i'm like out in the mountains or on a this is what i'm saying like you just you just plan like that's just like you just plan <laughs> i don't i don't like plan i like just going out that's and true. seeing seeing where i end up chris and i are very much too that's also how things. we do comics like yeah, i, I like just going out and seeing where i end up and comic kyle likes to plot it all out ahead of time i like to plot it out real hard and uh, it's a problem no it's a good but it's like why why i'm able to do what i do but it's a it's a problem there's no loosey goosiness. Nothing's nothing's done on accident. There's no time for fun. Even if it's funny, it's still planned. I was gonna say because you're doing a mystery here, and mysteries, especially if you're trying to do it as a playfair, are possibly the most strict genre because it has to play right if yeah. you do a reread. And I was curious about whether or not this was one of these things where you were gonna be able to reread it and be like, ah, well, there's boom ba boom ba boom or if it's just the mystery was the MacGuffin to do the character stuff. So I would say for assassination, the mystery is very much MacGuffin. I think if you if once you know who did it, if you've read it again, it doesn't diminish it. It's like it's like you're like now you can see it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh well clearly like this was the mystery. And that was sort of one of my hangups with assassination is that I sort of failed to do a true mystery. Um, so for this one I wanted to do a true mystery. I do Chris back me up on this if it's true I think if you, there, there are clues that are not highlighted. And I think if you go back yeah. through it at the end, you'll be like, oh, here was this, here was this, here was this. And I think if you didn't reread it, there's maybe the smallest chance it feels like sort of that, uh, that um, 
that Agatha Christie like just decide who seems least likely to be the suspect. Like I I don't like that. Um, but also I I feel like you know the mystery is sort of is sort of the excuse to get to have these characters get together because the whole thing is like this guy was so terrible. Everyone's like who who cares? Like we should, who cares who did it? In fact, unless we're trying to find them to thank him, you know who or whoever <laughs> they are. Like who cares who did it? They did the world a huge favor. He was so awful. Um, and I, you know, I sort of like playing with that as like sort of the mystery no one wants to even have solved anyway. Uh, so no, I think if you go back through, in fact, there was a there's a specific panel that I've been writing Chris's butt to change oh, I, for like hey, several I weeks. It. I, I know, but I it's like there's one yeah. panel. And I'm like, I'm like, it was look, like this months is a, before I fixed it. He was like, yeah. there's like, there should be a clue here. This is a clue and panel. It's a clue like, panel. And I was like, oh, but I but it had effects on it, and I was like, ah, it's gonna be such a pain. Of all the panels for me to have to redraw, that's the one. Oh, I was so mad. Yeah. Um, but so I, I think I, I really hope that you can when you go back through it, you'll be like, yes, because um, I think well, that's the fun. We, of we we talked about so much of this stuff in it. You know, we we talked out all the issues and all the plots and everything in advance, to the point that by the time I got to them there were things that I had forgotten that we had discussed that didn't necessarily make themselves. I mean, it, it was probably in the script, but it probably wasn't like, you it know, there wasn't script. like an underline that said, Hey, this is important because yeah. we had discussed the fact that it was important and I had forgotten, um, which pretty much sums up most of our conversations. <laughs> I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mystery, mystery wise. And, and, you know, and, and that was one of the things that we sort of had a lot of, back and forth and yeah. arguments about was what 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 constitutes an okay mystery like is a noir plot a mystery like do you have to be able to solve it on your own for it to constitute a mystery or can uh things being revealed along the way uh facilitate so anyway you know we, yeah chris had a lot of opinions about what what, <laughs> what defines a mystery and i was like we're just gonna do it this way <laughs> it's gonna be like this it's gonna be good <laughs> Okay, I'm not even gonna because I could argue that point for hours. Oh, yeah. I have <laughs> well, I argued that point for hours. I think you me. can on either on either side. You know, I mean, I, there there are good arguments to be made for 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 both, but I think that um, yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, I think what it, like Chris's strength of, of storytelling is like he has very strong ideas about what makes a thing that are not incorrect. Uh, like we're talking about doing a, like I, I'm planning on doing a heist book and we've had many conversations about, you know, what, what parts of a heist are important. What do you have to have in a heist? And this is this. And Chris has, a, he's like, oh, it has to be this and this. And I go, yeah, but no though. Yeah. And then <laughs> I just make it. <laughs> but I think, you know, and I think, I think there, uh, I'll, I'll argue with Kyle about, you know, whether or not he needs to have X, Y, Z in, you know, to facilitate a certain genre but i always end up really liking whatever he makes so i could just like sit back and shut up and uh save us both a lot of headache but i like talking about the stuff and i don't mm -hmm. teach anymore so uh kyle's I, my only uh person to debate uh narrative uh, yeah theory. and you know the, the great things about that is like that those discussions that we have sharpen the story because then i think well maybe he's right so i try to figure out a part like that wasn't a problem for me before and suddenly is a problem which makes me insane but it's the same for this but for then sure. once you nail it like you're I'm, super happy with it it's so, it's so funny because like you said it's like man we talked about mystery for like three days straight mm -hmm. and i forgot all about it because we it just it was it's, it is what it is yeah we came we reached a conclusion and the conclusion is six eye kicks of trick or keaton 
<laughs> and, and then the chief said, damn it, Starks, I hate your methods, but you get results. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from from sort of a, a character development stand, standpoint, because, you know, thinking about assassination, thinking about six sidekicks, you know, they're both these books where you're kind of doing ensemble casts in bulk. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious whether it was easier to create six sidekicks as fully realized sympathetic characters or 20 assassins, most of whom were disposable. You know, it, it's, I was asked about this the other day too, because I, I don't remember making the characters for six sidekicks at all, because I think it's like, oh, here's the story. And these are sort of the characters needed to make the story the sort of tropes, of, I, I don't think there's any tropey characters in there. I'm, I'm relatively proud of myself. Um, but it's like, it, it, it was because of that, it should have been harder to do six sidekicks because the characters are so more fully realized. And I don't know if maybe it's because, did we talk about the characters a lot, Chris? Because I don't recall. We, we did in a way because we figured there, there were a couple of elements um, that were there. But again, it was sort of to fill specific structures. We were thinking right. about, we built them from the types of shows that we would expect Trigger to be doing between the mid 80s and the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and so once we knew that we had a, uh, a space thing, once we knew that we had a, a detective, well, you know, I say that, but we kind of cast against type for most of those things. So never mind. That's a but, terrible. As, I but I feel like we had the shows before we had the characters. So surely that dictated maybe, some of the development. I, I, the, the thing is, I feel like the answer should be the six psychic characters to me are so fully realized. They should have been more challenging because even in the context of like, like in assassination, the four main characters, they don't really have that much care. Like, I'll be the first to admit, like they're not like hyper deep. And a lot of that is because of restrictions that I ended up getting on page counts and stuff. So I had to cut some things. It's like, you know, Bishop's trying to find the killer. Ex great hitman is trying to find who killed his lover, his husband. And, you know, Smoke had this sort of like uh, growing up arc that she was going to have that kind of get into there. But it's like fucking Dave or just fuck, it's like a goofball, two goofballs who are friends who also happen to be professional hitmen. Uh, so it, it should have been easier to do assassination. And I think for sure, like coming up with who those characters are in Assassination were really easy because I just like, here's their names and here's sort of the story I want to tell. But I don't remember making the characters for six sidekicks at all. So I, it was easier, but it shouldn't have been because there I could, I could write a story with each of those characters. And we, I, we, you came up with all of them first day, pretty much. Like, yeah, they just like you appeared. Were like, who are the characters? Uh, there's a there's a girl and she's she's a kung fu expert. She uh, she's kung fu prodigy. And then we and then we she's you know, happy. She's through, the opposite. Through she's that opposite we turkey. figured out like how that and you're like, but she but she makes a lot of bad like uh, financial yeah. decisions. She can't get any work. And uh, you know, there's uh, we the 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 two two characters playing the same thing. That was like a Sarah Chalk. Uh, that was you. That was you for sure. Thing. Yeah, we yeah. were like, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great if like one of the sidekicks replaced one of the other sidekicks, and then there was a uh, his a name bad, a bad version. Yeah, there was there was a good one and a bad one, and the the bad one hated that he was called the bad one. He was second. We thought that would be real fun, but um, but like most of them, you know, like they 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 uh, it really it really did spring up in the first yeah. conversation that we had. Like we, I think we, there's a, a, like when you're telling a mystery, it's like some of it is like why would you hate? Why would you potentially be you know? What's the word I'm looking for? The killer. Why would you potentially be the killer? You'd have to hate this person. Well, what are six reasons to hate a person, basically? So I just, yeah. it just came quick, man. It, should, it shouldn't have been that way. I honestly, 
the only real like character like thing that I remember is trying to explain like Terry Komodo like why he spoke the way he speaks and that's it that's all I remember that's the only part where I feel like I had to be like I had to convince Chris of why a character did something that was it that was the only one yeah. and that was just me being like he thinks he's smart he wants people to think he's smart that's it he's a big dilute that wants people to think he's smart and he's like okay let's go that's <laughs> A, like a dummy with a good vocabulary and that was and once he explained that i was like oh okay there there you go yeah and, and the rest all appeared in, in a fugue state <laughs> yeah yeah i wish i had a good story i honestly wish i had a good story for that because i'm so pleased with all these characters but we do some drawings he'd be like he'd be like I, I i like this character and i was like well if he if he's like that character he can't look like that character so we have to come up with something different and so like I forget what what ha somehow Terry Komodo ended up with Willie Nelson braid because you really... wanted to. I know, but I don't remember what prompted that. Because you're insane. <laughs> if you if there's any better example of Chris of Chris being like, I really want to do this, and me going, oh, okay, I guess then you have to do it. Him giving Terry Komodo Asterix braids is one of them. I also want to point out that once we started the series. Like we're halfway, or maybe farther, maybe we're into issue three or whatever. And Chris sends me a text that says, we should have called it the four sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> too, many, too many sidekicks, man. I was getting kind of kind of stir crazy with working on that issue. <laughs> so uh, part of the visual language of the first issue, uh, as we're meeting all the different sidekicks, is uh, TV guide listings showing synopses of various episodes of the shows that Trigger's worked on over the years. Uh, were either of your parents TV guide hoarders? Uh, so I was thinking about this. My mom would keep like like a stack, like a few weeks worth. Like you know, uh, of course they only have like a real like a shelf life of one. And, and also, I remember as a kid like treating the fall preview issue as a holy relic worthy of study. I, you know what? I'm obsessed with television. Um, mm -hmm. I watch so much television. My parents, one of us did not. I didn't know anyone. I think, I don't think I knew anyone had them, honestly. I don't, I don't think we ever had them either. Probably just because uh, with the, ex ah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think my so parents hard. had the shows that they were going to watch and that was, it. you know, they, they checked mm -hmm. the, the newspaper uh, thing. My dad was a, a big record, record movies off TV guy yeah. so we had a mm -hmm. substantial uh vhs with three movies per tape collection mm -hmm. uh but i think i think most of that came from the newspapers yeah we, we didn't do we didn't do television as like a family event at my house we we didn't usually either yeah. but um that's why i'm so weird about it now <laughs> well no my parents would put me to bed so they could watch you know mash and cheers and stuff i had an early bedtime on primetime nights mm. um but uh but uh, we did we did say one uh tv guide thing because it mentions me uh in it uh in like the local whatever things they do with it maybe it was i don't know if it was tv guide or like a the 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 tv guide that the weekly one that comes with the newspaper yeah mm -hmm. but i had a when i was when i was like three i had a drawing featured on welcome to Pooh corner uh, uh and so uh they saved the uh the announcement for that for the alexandria town talk so i was very uh very famous the talk of the town yeah talk of the town there <laughs> nice yeah no uh my mom was a big soap opera recorder so we had just boxes of of like you know vhs uh your you know recordable vhs cassettes but uh definitely movies too because i remember 
for the longest time we had like Police Academy Five and The Naked Gun on the same uh, VHS. That's a, that's a double picture right there. That's a good one. Yeah, you know the classics. Yeah. <laughs> I love Naked Gun. Oh, that is good stuff. Um, so uh, the the uh, the, ver- the last time we had you on the show, uh, Kyle, back in February 2019, we were we were talking about assassination because it hadn't come out yet. And, and how you and uh, Erica Henderson were mainlining action movies kind of to, to get in the mindset. Uh, this time around, I was wondering, uh, you know, did you dedicate an entire day to watching like old Walker, Texas Rangers and like Knight Rider and stuff? You, you know, what's funny is like when we when we pitched this, we wanted to have it set in like the 60s. Um, mm-hmm. We really wanted it to be like Rifleman and Land of the Giants and uh, uh, Lost in Space. And they were like they wanted it to be more modern. So and it was going to end. It was going to end. The last one was going to be a cop show with like SWAT or something similar. Yeah. So uh, they they had this movie more modern. But so like the, the TV shows, the TV shows are like a, a cute conceit, but they don't really matter. It's just an opportunity for us to do something like fun. Mm-hmm. So it's like if, I think if it would have been if we would have stayed in that period, I when I was a kid, like my dad worked night shifts, so during the day he would watch. You know, at like eight a.m. You could watch Land of the Giants. You'd watch all these movies, and I remember like it was kind of my dad's quiet time. So I wasn't really loud, but I kind of watched from the other, you know, around the corner or whatever. <laughs> so it's like my mem- my memory of those, I would have to, because I don't know if I strongly recall the aesthetic enough that I could just do it, but they're like, move it up. So now you're talking about literally the shows, like my shows, right? Which was their, their that was the whole point was it'd be more, it'd be less towards, you know, the 40 year old men who are buying comics and more towards younger guys. But it's like for me to do a Knight Rider prestige or for me to do uh, Star Trek, like that's a, no, I don't need to watch that stuff. I remember how it goes. But we also kind of like the thing is like if you if you stay too close to the tone of those, it kind of can lose its comedy if you're really trying to stay too true. Um, I think we did a pretty good job, Chris. For for the there's a one there's a show that's that's beloved within the world of this comic called Frankenstein and Frankenstein, which is the best name. But we the thing was is like everyone talks about how much in the comic they're like oh whenever someone mentions Frankenstein and Frankenstein or the other actor, it's like, everyone's like, oh, I love Frankenstein and Frankenstein. But we didn't want to give anything away in the book because just the name Frankenstein and Frankenstein is so funny. And the idea that it's so great is funny. It doesn't need more than that. But we, we open each book with a two, sort of a two issue or one issue flashback to the show and then Trigger being a dickhead on the set of that show. Um, so for issue four, is that four gross? It's four, Yeah, right? it's four. For issue four, I wrote kind of this sort of manic, like, you know, if, if someone was like, hey, Kyle Stark, to write an 80s show called Frankenstein and Frankenstein, which is sort of this sort of, I don't know what it was supposed to be. Um, <laughs> it was it was real bonkers. It was bonkers. It was it like Huey a, Herman for adults. Like, I mean, it was real but, out but there. Like, but, but like yeah. sci-fi, like a sci-fi action detective. I don't know what it was. And Schweitzer, yeah. Schweitzer was like, no, it should be like a prestige drama. Like, it should be like the most serious thing, even though it's Miami Vice with Frankenstein and Frankenstein. And so we ended up writing Frankenstein up, the monster and Frankenstein, Frankenstein the, the, doc, the, the doctor. doctor. They're they're unfrozen uh, Miami, after after their status. Arctic thing, and then they become private detectives. Right. So that would be the one thing because I was like, what if we did it like, um, uh, oh, who's that playwright? Mamet. Like you Mamet. did it. You, I was like, yeah. Basically, I was like, yeah. We were like, we were like, I, I was like, how how do you do it? You were like, how? Because 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 I was trying to articulate, and you were like, I don't I don't think do it. And we were like, yeah, yeah I don't. I was, and, like, what and, and I was I was explaining you were like like Mamet and I was like yes right right David Mamet's Frankenstein and Frankenstein and you said okay I got it and like a day later you sent me the most uh, 
uh, oh gosh. It it's was, not quite mammoth, but I, I think I got what? like the tone of it. It's very dramatic. It's good. But it's, so it's funny because like the other ones it's are real show offy in the best possible way for <laughs> yeah. early, early 2000s pre prestige network drama. It's yeah. just. So the other ones are sort of silly, re- silly references that sort of plays on, you know, like TV tropes. Like mm-hmm. Space Boat is, is bad Star Trek, but uh, uh, martial art is Walker, Texas Ranger. Sidecar is, is Knight Rider or some vehicle based. It's Renegade with a talking car or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, and our thing, our thing with Kyle is he'd, he'd write, like the scripts would be like really bad. And I would, I'd be like, can I make this look like a, how good a show can I make this look? <laughs> with the things and so i'd send him i'd send him things and i'd be like here here's some real clever ways to make the uh, the aliens uh to make low budget tv aliens look like real uh innovative and you're like just put triceratops heads on them chris like yes dudes with triceratops. i was like oh i was like no their horns are hands and you're like whatever it was very complicated it was unnecessarily complicated i really like I, unnecessarily hey, complicating yeah. everything yeah his name is memoirs and I'll say with Frankenstein and Frankenstein, when it was described as the, the best show, I was actually picturing Twin Peaks. I was thinking something Lynchian. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like Lynch meets Mamet meets uh, the fashion designer for the Matrix. So it's very, uh, yeah. And again, keep, keep in mind, it's like, it's from 1998. So it's also a very like specific zeitgeisty appearance i guess i don't know so i, I think it's real funny is that it's like i'm putting like way more dumb, uh, no, but it's, I think it's, true. <laughs> it's, it's like dumb tv show dumb tv show dumb tv show hold on wait a second what did you do here for number four and then it's actually dumb tv show dumb tv show i would watch that show that's what everybody says that's what was oh, yeah. like that's the one we'd watch <laughs> and now that you're putting it in like 98 i'm like oh so this is like this is like the sopranos Oh, yeah. Frankenstein's. Yeah. yeah, like right around right around that time. Yeah, when people yeah. have been trying to do prestige, but it didn't, it didn't last. Of course, nothing does. Trigger is just mm-hmm. a death knell to anything good. So, um, I mean, you already mentioned Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is something that had kind of tickled my head as I was reading that issue. But aside aside from or including that, um, what other kind of do you have other favorite you know behind the scenes of Hollywood movies and TV? shows that might have inspired some of this I, you know i'm sure i've seen so many things i can't really think of um chris i know we had like a list of things that we went through do you remember any of that by any chance i remember w- we were at the library and we we saw that david carradine wrote a memoir about the making of kill bill and we were like oh we should read that and then didn't we didn't read um, that but uh but remember like there was a day that i was like hey here's another show where it's here's another show that takes place on a movie set like we've seen this one we had a whole thing um I don't think so. You know, I think probably the only one we made was like, do you remember that scene in Moonraker where they're like fighting through the sets? Um, like or, or Big Adventure, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Pee-wee, yeah, it's like, yes. I think those things were kind of like... The thing but that, we, never, we never actually had that scene in there. We were no, going we, to, and no. we just didn't... But, uh, but I, I think oh, like, because, it, because it shifted forward in time, that would have made sense when we were doing the, the 70s. Yeah, mm. but I think like, also like, like that sort of becomes like the whole series. Like if you spread that, that sort of like manic, dumb action sequence over six issues. Um, I think, you know, in terms of things, and Chris sort of nailed it, and I think in, in his quote is like, probably the only thing outside source that was like a, a really big, there's a stink bug on my computer, that's fun. Um, that's scary. Uh, anyway, so 
is that, uh, you know, like the Blue Sky Mysteries that USA put out, I think are, are, were maybe a greater influence than anything sort of like Hollywood set or, I, I know they times like, oh, we should like make sure that this car chase takes place here, but I know Chris didn't do it, you know what I mean? Because like, oh, this will really hit good with the Hollywood people. But in the end, it's like, you know, it's pretend Hollywood. It's not real Hollywood. <laughs> so we did whatever we wanted to. But I, when, when we were first, um, uh, again, before, before Skybound uh, asked us to, to shift the era forward uh, about 20 years, um, I was reading a lot of, I've, I've got those, those uh, I forget what they're, they're called, they're these collections of interviews with old screenwriters. So I was reading those and, uh, and uh, hey, you got the stink bug. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I tend to read more um, writer stuff than on set making of stuff um mm. uh but you know i mean it, it still touches on it but i i i was interested I, in it as a premise but i felt like we you know we we both came of adult age around the time that you know dvds started being a thing and you mm-hmm. could access all the making of stuff so i feel like there's enough of that internalized yeah. that i feel we like i feel like if you named it. like three things you like this one i'd be like yes 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 it's like it's all internalized, though, and unfortunately, I'm not capable of vocalizing the answer to that question. <laughs> no worries. Um, so we'll we'll put our first uh, Twitter question uh, in here. Uh, Zach Jenkins uh, wanted to know what syndicated TV program uh, would you be the teenage sidekick on? For real? What do you think? Do you mean for real life or for our stuff? Like, uh, oh, uh, I think real life. Like as a teenager, mm. yes. I don't. I've I've never not been a sidekick. Like I I, I am not uh, leading man material. I you know, what? too many bad decisions, I, and I'm I bump into too many things. I hate to tangent. <laughs> off, I hate to tangent off of this very good question. Do it. You know, someone someone asked me in another interview. They're like, "Hey, between you and Schweitzer, which one of you are the sidekick?" And I was like, "Well, it's Chris." But here's the <laughs> no. thing: only in this very specific context. And also maybe in trying to find your way from point A to point B. But in real world settings, if we were out in the open and something happened, I would immediately become the sidekick because Chris is competent. And intelligent. <laughs> he has, he has real world skills. Like frankly, unless it's, unless it's arguing over what should be in a mystery or, or what's the fastest way to get to point B. Like I'm pretty useless. No, but 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 so is Billy Crystal in uh in in City Slickers, and he's, he's not the sidekick. You're the Billy Crystal, and I'm 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 the 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 Jack Lance. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, that. I like that a lot. But listen, here's what I'm saying: We all know who'd be holding the flashlight. Is what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> we all know. No, we we know it would be you holding the flashlight because you have control things, and you you you'd be like, I really need to hold the flashlight, Chris. And I'd say, Okay, Kyle. That's not what would happen. <laughs> Um, uh, no, in, in, in terms of the show, shows. like, uh, I'd be, uh, I don't think Ernie I Reyes it. Jr. and sidekicks, uh, <laughs> older next door neighbor, maybe. And then I'd get to do some karate. I'm trying to think of what I was like as a teenager. I did a lot of karate as a teenager. That was like my only defining characteristic. You know, um, I think we, I think we'd both be great on Ghost Rider, Chris, as kids going. <laughs> We found the clue! <laughs> I haven't thought about that show in ages. It's the letter E. Chris, it's an E. That's it. Otherwise, do you know what I'd say? Which show uh, I would be would be Renegade, the aforementioned Renegade. Ah, 
Okay. Uh, though he had a sidekick. He had uh he had the, the he had the actual the, the bounty hunter sidekick. So he had one, I guess. If he needed like a I look like Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World and just like was like sarcastic and horny nonstop. So I don't know what use I would be to Renegade. Uh, I'd always be I'd be like I'd always be like, hey, what about we do a brothel this week? <laughs> there any brothel trouble, Renegade? And he'd be like, he'd be like, You got kid. Kid, you're not really carrying your weight around here. I'm like, who held the flashlight when you had problems with your bike the other day? It was me. I like the idea that you're riding on the on the motorcycle with no, no, no. I'm you on the Lamas, just no, like no. I'm on the along. RV. I'm on the RV with the uh, the bounty hunter. Oh, there you go. Okay, <laughs> and his hot and his hot wife. I look like Tia Carrera, I think. They hated still, me. The, the bounty hunter guy still has the same haircut, I, which I, I find commendable. You find a winner, you stick with it. There you go. It's true. Ghost Rider uh, and the Renegade are the answer. Classic, classic television. I was actually, I, you know, as I was like frittering around looking for like stuff today, I came across uh, there was there was like a five episode animated series in like the early eighties. It was called Chuck Norris's Karate Commandos. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a bunch. Like uh, uh, Mr. T had a show where he had like uh-huh. gymnasts. He had a gymnast team. Solving get, mysteries. Get on sure. my bus. Had had it was eight, the, it was eighty four. The Olympics. Mary Lou Red. Why not? Yeah. I was wow. I was real jealous. Oh, what did they have action figures of? Chuck Norris and a ninja. Yeah, they were cool. Cartoon. I remember them. I remember them. I don't remember the kid on the bus, but I remember he he had those. <laughs> um, so, uh, you two have worked together a few times now. You know, Rock Candy Mountain, Mars Attacks, uh, Trigger Keaton. Other examples I'm probably not thinking of at the moment. Oldhead. Huh? Oldhead. Oldhead. There we go. Oh, that's right. Chris Colored Oldhead. Um, yeah, how did you first connect? Um, I'd say we probably first met at Heroes Con. We, had a, we were within a similar circle. Um, Heroes Con is my favorite, my favorite show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met Chris very briefly. Uh, excuse me. I'm so gassy today. It's great for radio. It's great for radio when you just have tiny little soda burps. Um, I, I had uh, went to my first Heroes Con and I had a, a wrestling book I made as my first my first comic book. It's called The Rocky Thunder. I did a Kickstarter and I used that Kickstarter money to go to shows. And I had like four too many to fit into the box for me to go home. And I just um, I'm just weird enough that because like I want to go do these four books, put them in a backpack to me. So I, I tried to get rid of them. And Chris was kindly enough to take one, and he traded me a larger book which didn't solve my problem. Um, and so that was the first time we met, but it was very brief. And Chris likes to tell a great story about that that I won't take away from him. But I think when we, when we really connected is we did a show in South Carolina, which is college. Um, Chris will know the name of the college probably too. I'm terrible. I think we were friends before that. Cause, cause we I think were we were friendly before that. No, incorrect. Tiger truck was after South Carolina. Absolutely. No, that's where we, that's where we found out. We were like, we should hang out. Was it South Carolina? I promise I thought, you. I thought you gave me the book. And I was like, hey, this book was okay. This Kyle fellow is legitimate. Uh, and then I found out you were in Evansville. And I thought I thought we got together for, for, for the kids to play at the playground before we did South Carolina. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm almost certain not, because I think that was the show where we go, oh, well, we live only like 45 minutes away from each other. We should get together. Maybe. I'm almost because here's the thing. I was I was closer with Erica than I was you at that show for certain. I barely I barely knew you. I remember these things. I can't. Listen. Okay. <laughs> so listen, so we, we did this really small show and we found out, I'll, I'll tell all the stories, Chris, don't worry about it. 
Um, my stories are right, yours are wrong, so we'll just stick with. Uh, anyway, we did this. We did another show, but there was another Heroes in between then. But the thing is, is like you know, Chris, you have like your own deal at Heroes, so we didn't hang out. We just talked to each other maybe in passing. Yeah, at that, that, that's true. So yeah. we did this show where it's only a few of us. It was me and Eric Anderson, uh, Simpsons and Bowers. It was you. Um, There's like very few people. There's like six pros there. And I was close, I'm friends with Erica, and the three of us were hanging out in a room, and that's where we found out we live, you live nearby, and we should get together, blah, blah, blah. And we, I, we, did, we got together with the kids at the museum. Uh, the last picture of my picture roll is Chris holding his daughter in front of this fake stuffed bear they have in the Ezra Museum, which is a nightmare to me. So whenever I'm looking through old pictures, or whenever Chris is, I'm going through pages, when I get to the last one, it always pops up your last picture roll, which is this nightmare bear about to eat Chris and his daughter. Um, but I was say, yeah, so we did that. And then he was like, hey, I'm looking to buy this truck. It's like an hour and a half north of you. Will you go with me? And if I buy the truck, then I'll drive the truck home. And I was like, sure. Also, there's a Ponderosa. So we'll go eat Ponderosa. Um, the, the truck was painted like a tiger and it had no interior anything. It was a nightmare. Uh, and I did not let him buy it. He also had not driven a stick in apparently like seven years. It was crazy. But that was the, that was the day where we became the best of friends. The day I said... Chris, we got to get out of here. This isn't safe. And you cannot buy the tiger truck. The guy, the the guy selling the, the tiger truck was pretty shifty. We walked up. And like, oh, here, we pulled around. It's like, there it is. It's a tiger truck. It's parked on the edge of a gravel road. We pulled up, got out, and then this dude popped out of the bushes. Like, he legit popped like a, like a spring-loaded jack-in-the-box. Boink! You here looking at a truck? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm like, let's go. As soon as he popped out of the bush, I was like, we got to get out of here. He's spray like, painted. That, it was spray painted to look like a truck. Let me like, like that. That that guy's meth mouth. Let's, this guy's uh... meth out. That's why he painted this truck. You can see it, and there's just like exposed screws. What a nightmare! I'll never forget what a nightmare that truck was. And you drove it so terribly. That's what I should. You were like bottoming out in like intersections. It was. It. I, I was. I was driving it terribly. It was also not an easy truck to drive. <laughs> I will garbage. say. But even then, you're like, you're like, I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? <laughs> what do you think? And I'm like, we got to leave. Like, what a Ponderosa going to sell it bar. <laughs> and it's not, the Ponderosa was closed. We had to go to, I was like, well, we, so we, we drove another drive hour north. We ended up being in the car for like, oh, the better, better part of a, a day because Kyle. I want to go to Ponderosa. He had, his, he had his heart set on Ponderosa and he looked on his phone. He was like, there's another one, like at, uh, another hour north. I don't think it was uh, quite was an hour, sure, buddy. but it probably felt like an hour to you because it's Ponderosa. Yeah, so that's how we became friends, and uh, now we talk every day. We My, when pre-pandemic, we I mean, we go like I I really sucker Chris into going to a lot more shows than he wants to go to just because I want his company for a weekend. I'm like a uh, four show a year guy by nature, and he's like, nope, we're we're doing the show, Chris. Yeah, here's three more. Like, okay, I'm a third. I'm a twenty-four show guy, so it's like I feel like you know I just need a Schweitzer breakup. That that tiger truck though, my wife was like, "You're only allowed." Uh, oh, this is great! One a real, there's a barter in place. Real big uh, eccentricity. So if you get the tiger truck, you are not allowed to go to the grocery store anymore wearing overalls without a shirt, uh, regardless <laughs> of whether the grocery stores on the south side of town consider that fine or not yeah. suitable shirt. Uh, yeah. So I still get to wear my overalls without a shirt. So what a, what is Sophie's choice for Liz to be like? <laughs> We could have invested in an unusable vehicle, uh, an albatross on our lives, but Chris would have been a little less weird. <laughs> Listen, compromise, compromise is the secret to a healthy marriage. That's right. That's exactly right. So yeah, that's how we met. And uh, 
you know, we both really respect each other. We always have, I think Chris, Chris says more than I do because he tells us such a good story that, you know, we both really respect each other as creators, which is why we're such good friends. Um, Chris has, when he uh, volunteered himself to color Rock Candy Mountain, he's, I think he's one of the best colorists in the industry. Um, when I got asked to do Mars Attacks, I was like, oh, I don't know if I have a good idea. And I was like, hey, Chris, is this a good idea? And he's like, yeah, tell him I'll draw it. And I'm like, that's not how it works, buddy. That is, <laughs> that is apparently that is sometimes how it works uh, because they did it. Um, and it's just been real blessed. Like we, I think I, I can say for me, like Chris has only added to my, to every piece of work we've done. And, you know, we respect each other's storytellers. And uh, but that's really honestly like uh, a, a genuine desire to do our very best work um is really the only thing we have in common yeah. uh, we were talking about that recently kyle's like we have a lot in common we like the same things i was like no we don't we no, don't like any of the same right. things we we like quality but in terms of what we uh that that's it that's the yeah. only thing i i really thought because for me it's like what we what one likes is like music and uh media and it's like we like some of those things but it's like anything else he's right there's no crossover at all it's kind of amazing like name something, name anything, and you'll find white. Like just name something. Who me? No, no. Oh yeah, jazz. Jazz. Chris nope. loves it. I bet. Nope. I don't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> See, we found the we common ground. There you go. We, we both, both hate. We both. We, are, we both are more or less indifferent to jazz. There yeah, you go. We might hate a lot of the same things, Chris. <laughs> we haven't considered this option. Oh, there you go. That's that's the thing. That's me and my wife hate a lot of things, and really. Yeah. It's you, built upon you, that. You are, uh, but but you, I feel like you you find a lot in uh, a lot more enjoyment in the hate hating than I do. It's not enjoyment. It's a curse. It's my curse. I'm always unhappy. Uh, but yeah, I'll send I'll send yes. we'll we'll send each other music <laughs> time to time, and and uh, I'm like I'm like another like uh, 25 year old uh, lady singer songwriter, and Kyle's like oh, another oh, guy who just. Sounds like you found a banjo. Like, yeah, there you go. Like we're, yeah. So like 10 years ago when like the Mumford and Sons and the Lumineers were, were hot, Kyle was in his glory. Loved it. I loved it. I loved it. What a, I'm so glad to see the resurgence of, of bluegrass and folk. Chris was like, these posers, these stupid posers. I was like, born, this, I was born this, in the banjo. Like, overproduced business. Yeah. I came from the banjo, sir. I was like, that banjo is in tune, Kyle. What are you even thinking? Listen. <laughs> I just like how it's down to earth. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so another another Twitter and we, question. And we work Ooh. for we work for the same people, so we have the same specific gripes uh when it comes to that kind of stuff. That's fair. <laughs> Generally speaking. Um Another Twitter question, uh, at Nevada asks, uh, when was a time that your collaborator uh, surprised you during the creative process or otherwise? In, in bad ways or good ways? We surprise each other in good ways all the time. Either way, yes. <laughs> bad, bad ways are less frequent, but they do, they do happen. I'm trying to think. I, here's like, I, the thing is with Chris is I'd say he's, he's, he never repeats anything. So it's kind of always a surprise, but also never a surprise because of that. So <laughs> you'll be like, so it'll be like, look, I changed this thing and I didn't expect that, but also I'm not surprised by it, you know? Um, 
I can't really think of anything. And the thing is, like, we vocalize everything so much. Oh, you know what it was? Chris, can I say something naughty? Yeah, go for it. Here's how Chris surprised me. He was like, can I draw a boner in this comic? And I was like, no, sir, you absolutely cannot. And I will tell you, that was surprising. Chris says, of course, this is an adult book meant for adult people. So what's a boner? And I'm like, my dude. I was like, you said the <laughs> F word. I... Yes, uh, I think a boner would be appropriate. There's, there's, what's, there's what's the it, difference? Violence, Kyle? like, yeah. And I listen, don't, I don't know that there is a difference. I feel he, like, I feel like either you're doing stuff for an adult audience or you're not. And if you're doing stuff for an adult audience, with a boner, else? I listen. I can see the argument, <laughs> right? Listen, I've done books where people get their heads cut off, and there's geysers of blood. I've certainly mentioned genitalia in all of my books. That's for sure. I've mentioned it. I've never showed it. So well, he kind of surprised me when he was like, hey, what if in this throwaway gag? <laughs> Not just like a exposed penis. An erect penis. It was very surprising to me. <laughs> well, it's in, it's in shadow now. Uh, I, I drew it today. Uh, you can tell that it exists. Uh, you you got to let him have his things. There you you got to let baby have their toys, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the answer. But that's probably one of the few, that's one of the few probably that I will speak about publicly. I like that it moved back into the shadows like uh, uh, Lieber Mayho's bat penis in that one Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, pretty much. No, I mean, it's, it, it, the, the thing is, it was, it was one of those instances where I thought it would, it fit the, it, it did. the, the sure. specifics of that. But then you pointed out uh, but then we had an argument about whether or not uh, he would be uh, aroused yes. during this particular scene, and you and and he, he made be. a convincing argument for why he would not. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll I'll buy that. So that's and that's how go. and that's how Chris and Kyle work. That's the <laughs> that's the tail of the tape right there. People. But we'll, but we'll do it. Like we will. Like if if there is a gag that like the the thing is. Um, the overwhelming majority of Kyle's gags land without any uh, input from me. Uh, if I feel like one isn't there, we will talk about it ad nauseum for a really long time until we get it to where both of us feel like the gag is there. Kyle's like, the gag's already there. I'm like, I'm not seeing it yet. Until we both see it uh, and both feel like it's got the, the humor there, we don't, it, yeah. it doesn't. I don't, I don't want to do any spoilers, but there's a, there's a bit in issue two that involves human feces. And I, I had a line of dialogue that's really funny to me. And Chris is like- That's your favorite thing in the book. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing in the book, but you know what? It's my second favorite thing in the book. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I, and he's like, he's like, you know what? I just don't like it. And I'm like, I'm like saying it. And he's like, he's like, oh, like in Toy Story. And I'm like, yes, that's why it's funny. You gotta do it like the cowboy from Toy Story. <laughs> It's not, it's there, there's a snake in my boot, but they're saying something else. And so Chris was like, I get it. So his, his solution was to didn't have that person dressed like the cowboy. From that wasn't my solution. That yes, was your was. solution. No. no, no, no. No, you, you said, said that. You said have him dressed like Woody the Cowboy. Oh, okay. I, said, I, was, hold it. I, I said, said that is a liability problem, friend. And <laughs> you right. said, well, don't put his hat on him. And I was like, okay. If, if I said that, it was simply because... I knew then you would wrap your head around it. Okay, <laughs> there you it's go. It's like this way, because your thing would be like, I don't, I don't read it that way. 
And I'm like, yeah, but if he's dressed like the cowboy from Toy Story, <laughs> then people will also read it this way. Because I kept saying the line to him aloud, and he's like, then he's laughing. Those are so there were like four other cowboys into that scene, so it didn't seem weird that there was a guy dressed more or less like Woody the cowboy. Woody, so, yeah. it's like, so, so it also added considerably to the the complexity of the the sequence, because uh, now there's four extra cowboys loitering around. There's a snake in my food. That's not what he says. <laughs> he says something else. Uh, listeners, I have been to the future and I have yes. seen this scene and it lands. Let me tell <laughs> oh, you, it lands. You it lands. <laughs> uh, so, Kyle, in addition to a Trigger Keaton story with Chris, uh, you've got a story in the upcoming uh, Skybound X or Skybound 10, depending on how you want to call it. It's a, yeah, yeah. Anthology series uh, featuring Fuck Tarkington from Assassination. Uh, how does it feel to be re revisiting that world in old fuck? Uh, by the way, fuck. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fuck and Dave. Um, yes. The sweet boys. <laughs> the sweet boys are back. That was, so, so, you know, they asked us, they asked me and Erica a, a while ago, they're like, would you like to do, you know, an assassination story? And I'm like, uh, fucking Dave, let's go. Uh, I got, I got, I got one. And if not, I will have one momentarily because they are my sweet boys and I love them. And I could tell infinite stories with them doing nothing. Um, <laughs> so it was great um, and easy, really easy. And Erica, like it's some of, Erica's on fire right now. I, the work she's putting out, I've seen, I mean, obviously Dracula Motherfucker was the last big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, she just, she's dude, her color, her, her, like, she's so good. She's amazing. It between, looks amazing. Between the Skybound comic and, and Dracula, like, I haven't, I mean, like, she's always been good. Yeah, I've, she's working I, on a new level is, right now. It is punch you in the face, incredible stuff. Yeah, her colors are great. And you know, the thing is, like, um, you know, I'm a cartoonist and I draw, but getting to work with, you know, like Schweitzer and Erica and even Mark Ellerby on Rick and Morty, it's like, I write things that I, I know what they should look, I know what they should look like, and I try to explain them but I don't think I could draw them per se. Uh, so it's great to work with people who see that and elevate it and sometimes do things differently, but better. And Erica and Chris, that's 100% always the case. Uh, LRB always took my jokes and like landed on a different level, which is hard to do. Um, so it was great. That was so great and easy. I think, I, I think they asked me to do it. I wrote the script in a day. Erica was like, it's great. They approved it. it was, I mean, like it was done pretty quick. Uh, so I love the sweet boys. I love the assassination characters. You know, they put a they put a one on the side of that volume, uh, which seems like a, a weird thing to do. <laughs> seems like a weird thing to do when there's never a discussion of a two. Uh, <laughs> it's like they're, they're like just made like just in case, right? Like just in case. But you know, I think you know Erica's really busy, and the the, the only reason why we did assassination is that she had a window in her schedule, uh, and we had wanted to work together, and we figured out a thing, and you know, we kind of spit it out real quick. Um, but I think we were both like, these characters are all right. Like being away from them for a little bit, like we like, we still like these guys a lot. They're a lot of fun. You can do a lot of fun things with them. So maybe a two, but I think it wouldn't be for quite a while. Uh, but we love assassination. We love the assassination boys. They then asked for us to do one for our book that hadn't came out yet, which is a mystery. Uh, and therefore much more difficult to do uh, because you, you can neither mention any character that's not because like they all have their introductions so i it had to be a prequel uh i think we came up with a pretty good story the, the guys at, at skybound said that the six the six sidekick story in anthology x is the best one they have they may have said that to everyone but they didn't say it to kyle for assassination <laughs> they didn't say it to me before 
So that means it's 100% true to me. So I've been, I've been drawing that one for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, they waited real late. Time, so Because I, I think they asked Eric and me to do it. Like, But I'm almost February? done. I got, one, I got one page left, which I got to do tomorrow because I got to go into the mountains and I got to be done before. It's, it's real good. I, I'm, I, Chris is doing great work. It's got monkeys in it. So, you know, it's... it's I would have thought the monkeys would be a lot harder to draw, but they, they've been a dream, man. Like, I, listen. I, get do, I get to do just gestural stuff with the monkeys that I would not... Uh, that I'd be laboring over with the people, but I'm like, oh, they got they got these these big old noodle arms. You can do whatever you want with them. Yeah, man. Yeah, the thing with monkeys is they're so lovable. You can't hate them, even drawing yeah. them. Yeah. So it's great. That's the answer. It was great. I love him. I love fucking Dave. I love fucking Dave so much because you know Skybound. You don't you don't own the property per se. Right. So for Sky for I love I love fucking Dave so much that Erica and I at one point were like, I should kill him, right? Like I so no one else can ever have them. I should kill them, right? <laughs> and we just, we're like, no, no, don't. We can't do it. We love them too much. Uh, kill, killing your darlings. Um, <laughs> the um, the the friendship between Fuck and Dave it was definitely one of my favorite parts of Assassination. And actually, I, I think it's it's this is kind of me talking something out here, but you know, one of the one of the best examples of something that I've appreciated about your work in that you know, obviously, Assassination is incredibly violent. But like in in its in its own unique uh, way, also charmingly virtuous. You know, it's this through line that exists in like Sex Castle, Old Head, Assassination, where these characters can all fuck up a guy. They can murder someone in such a way as to create the sound effect traumad. But you know, Classic. they're vulnerable enough that you can see into their heart and know they're good people. Yeah, man. I I think like my thing. If you don't, if 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 comedy doesn't, comedy is already so hard. But if comedy mm-hmm. doesn't have any any subtext to it, if it doesn't have anything happening underneath, if the people aren't people you would like, then it's just a gag book. And it does, for comics, it will never work. And for movies, it's hard to do that type of thing in a way. It has to be really, it has to be like they get done, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and my thing is, is always, I want to tell, I want to tell stories that are fun. And therefore, for me, that's most frequently action comedies. But I, I don't want to tell, that's not the story I want to tell. I want to tell a story about, uh, you know, assassination, uh, is very much about friendship. Uh, and because that six sidekicks is a lot about, it's a lot about that, but it's also about like dealing with trauma. It's about finding a found family. It's definitely about friendship, which is something like, I feel like enough people are like, really love fucking Dave friendship and assassination. I'm like, good, I can only write friendship books from now on. The Rocket, <laughs> Rocket Indie Mountain is my, it was the first book. And I was like, I really want to write a friendship book. Um, Cause I love friendship, man. I got my best friend here with me. I, I just, I, I think it's just like, the, those type of stories are the ones that interest me the most, but, but that's the secret. The secret, that balance is like, well, it, you want it to be amusing, right? And you want it to be funny, but I also want to have incredibly violent action sequences, but that's not the story I want to tell. I want to tell a story about what someone would do for their family or like what the effects of bad parental choices have on us, or our own choices have on us. Uh, and uh, the ones I feel like where I don't, where I don't nail that, um, they're my lesser books. Uh, like Mars Attacks is a great, great example. Like, what is it on surface? It's about these, these, these real asshole aliens come to Earth and they do a bunch of terrible things. That's Mars Attacks. It's like, well, okay, but what if what I really dealt with was a, how a son and a dad were trying to repair their terrible relationship that we all have, like not all of us, but, you know, uh, a lot of us had bad, bad relations with our dad. And that interested me in the backdrop of Martians trying to destroy everything in really asshole ways. Um, so it's like, it's a fun romp. I think like on service, it's a fun romp, but I don't think, it, I don't think it's as good a book if it doesn't have like all that other stuff. Um, so like, that's the balance, man. That's my job, I guess. And, 
and I'm lucky it's working because I like doing it so much. And that's an answer, right? I did that. Yeah, no, that's 100% an answer. Um, mentioned old head briefly, uh, Kickstarter from last year, but uh, it's getting an image uh, release this summer. August, uh, yeah. Yeah, that that's fantastic. Uh, adding some new uh, some new back uh, back matter. Yeah, it's more pages. Uh, so I have to fill back matter. I'm, who knows what it's going to be? I don't do a lot of like concept drawings, or so we'll have to figure out something. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But yeah, if you got the Kickstarter, and it's not because I'm trying to upsell anybody, but they added eight pages to it. Hey, he's got the shirt on. Oh, he's got my shirt on, Chris. Matt is wearing the Cardinal U shirt. We were arguing about this recently because I feel like Old Head, Kyle doesn't think so. I think Old Head is, might be uh, his best thing. Not over. And no he's way. Like, he's, like, he's like, not by a long shot. Oh it's, tied for, it's tied for third. But I think Chris says that because he doesn't understand what a good job he did for Mars Attacks. I can list them. That's the thing. Like, how to be, you want to know how to be really good at your job? Be objective about it, you know? I used to I used to have this job where I did like um, I did pre press for these pharmaceutical labels and you frequently had to like catch mistakes. I can't do that. I was terrible at that job. Is it detail oriented and I have to do it? I can't do that. I'm thinking about other stuff. I'm a dummy. But it's like I can look at my books and be like objectively, I can rank all of them. I can I, rank I all can of them. Too. I've got one that's good and the rest suck. Oh no, oh. mine are mine are all great. But a few of them are only like pretty great. <laughs> but it's 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 old i'm old has old has a perfect example of like how like what is it on paper i guess it's a guy fighting a bunch of dickhead monsters and dracula's involved right like i guess it's a really hard pitch but it's like you know what it's really about it's about legacy and it's about fate um and it's about what one parent passes down to another parent and like that's what it, it's about toxic masculinity which is something i was very interested at the time Mm -hmm. um because not just because i think when i was working on it, it was something that, a subject that a lot of people were talking about but because i have young daughters and uh it's something that's always sort of interested me it's probably someone who at one point in time you know i was an 18 year old horny boy who looked like Ryder strong i already said this you don't think i was in trouble come on uh but it's like that's a tough one like it's, it's a tough to pitch because it's, it's to me what's interesting about it and chris for sure i know agrees because he said this is like the stuff about the legacy is more interesting than i do like a good home alone joke you know what i mean so, uh, Old Head, I think, Old Head, I think it's tied for three. I think it's Sex Castle, Rock Candy Mountain. Sex Castle made my career, so I'll always be biased. I would never change. There's no, I've reread it. There's nothing I would change. Uh, Rock Candy Mountain, I'm so proud of. Again, I, there's very little I change, um, but I think Old Head and Mars Attacks are brilliant. Um, I, they just lack, I think they're not as accessible. Um, that's their only thing, is that they're just not accessible. I think they're, like, those are my four best books. If you're listening and you don't know how Kyle starts, you want to check out some Chris Schweitzer work before Six Sidekicks. Uh, check out Mars Attacks. It's good. Uh, but yeah, I could be objective about it. I could list all of them. I could list all. If we get down to Rick and Morty issues, I'd be like, line them up. Let's, let's play this dumb game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like being objective, I think in work, like for what we do helps you better yourself because like even from it, Six Sidekicks is, is interesting because editorial, I think was kind of rough on me uh, in a lot of ways for what I wanted. Cause it's a weird to me also it, like the buzz has been great on six sidekicks. Chris and I are like, we think it's fictitious uh, because we've never had such kind words said to us from our peers before, but it's a weird book. It's a dialogue driven character book in comics. And even Hawkeye wasn't dialogue driven. You know what I mean? Like he's fighting people 
Uh, it just means like such a, I, don't, I don't think we. I guess we find people too. I think that I mean, like structurally, this is a mystery, but really, it's a martial arts. Yeah, it's just, but it's just like thing. it's there's weird. Just, there's a the, lot of karate fighting in it, and there's I, a lot and of karate that's, fighting. That's in a lot of fun. It just means me, like it's such it's so, a weird yeah. total thing, and it's like I feel like it's one of the really best things I've done. Uh, I think when we get done, we're gonna be like. I mean, I'm proud of what we have in the four issues, four and one anthology short. Like, I think it's great. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be something that like it's one more one of it's one more of my books and i think it's true for chris's work too is that when people read them they like them so the whole trick is how can we get people to read a kyle starks book and i keep trying different things like maybe i'll work with erica henderson no one read that book maybe i'll do rick and morty uh people don't care uh they just want the rick and morty they don't care who made it or if it's even good i don't think they just want their rick and morty um so you know this was kind of one where i was like chris let's just do whatever we want man I'm gonna do whatever I want. We're gonna make it great, and we did. But it's like it's so far. It's like it's like man, it's just like such a fight. I, I feel like at the time, and now I, I get to see it come to fruition. That was February of last year, Chris. I finished that book the beginning of pre-pandemic. That was so long ago for me. I know. I'm sorry. It's taken me so long. No, it's not that. That's not what it is at all. This is like think about that for me. It's like I, this was so long ago, and I know you'll remember. At one point, I was just like, ah, but I'm gonna do what I want. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna do what I want. They don't understand what I'm doing. Uh, and I feel like old head, like old head's kind of the same thing, right? Like, listen, it's good. I promise. I can't explain it to you in a way that's going to sell it to you immediately, unless dickhead monsters does it for you. It doesn't. It doesn't do it for anyone, Kyle. I Don't know you, that is your pitch. Um, no, old, old head is a. It's one of those things. Like there are there are very few people I think who can take a what on paper sounds like either uh, sounds like a real cheap premise and turn it into high art. And I sure. feel like Kyle's really good about that. Like there, there, there's a few folks who can do that and I really dig it. And that's one of the things that I really dig about old head is that uh, on the surface, it's, it's the, the dumbest thing. It's, it's a retired NBA player fights Dracula. Like, and yet it is, it is incredibly poignant and clever and very funny and uh, beautifully colored. And, beautifully uh, colored. You can't say enough <laughs> about it, frankly. But it's just, it's a, it's a real, it's a real solid read. Thanks, buddy. I would back that Kickstarter. Oh, wait, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Matt, I'm going to yield the floor to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I just, so... I love talking to people about the books they're reading and literature. Uh, and so just looking through uh, your Twitter feed, uh, Chris, I just, I just have to say, since you tweeted about it this weekend, w can we all just say that we really need to see that John Steinbeck werewolf pulp novel? Cause very, very much. So. I need to read this book. Yeah. Um, you just yeah, tweeted so me that what, what Matt's referencing is a thing that's passing around, which is that there's uh, in in John Steinbeck's papers at a, at a, uh, at a university, I forget which one, um, uh, is an unpublished manuscript from 1930 preceding cup of, uh, gold, uh, in which he tried and failed to do a werewolf murder mystery called the, uh, called, uh, oh, I forget something, something with the moon. Yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I, I I don't imagine it's going to be good. Everybody's like, I wonder what themes he explored in. I'm like, he didn't explore any themes in Cup of Gold. Like, <laughs> no. he just 
you know, there's a little bit of autobiographical stuff, uh, you know, like, like self-insertion stuff, but mostly it's just a pirate yarn. I'm guessing this is just a werewolf mystery that uh, it probably has good sentences. <laughs> I still want to read it. Don't oh, get me I wrong. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited as heck for it. You, you, werewolf and murder mystery are two of my favorite genres. You put them together. And it's werewolf murder mystery by John Steinbeck? Yes. You know, that's, that's funny, Chris, because we talked before about well, something. <laughs> doing something Because what, what will happen with Kyle is I will, I will watch a movie and tell him the description. He's like, that sounds terrible, but I could do a good version. And I think, I think, uh, like, I think I watched uh, The Beast Must Die or something that, that, uh, I love that who's done anything. And I, and I, I told Kyle, he was like, he was like, oh, we could do that, but better. And I was like, okay, there you go. And I feel like a lot of a lot of stuff is uh, we could do that, but better. Uh, That's basically my process, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't ever watch the the original thing that it uh, that that uh, spurs it. You're just like, oh, no, that's I've a good wa- idea. That, I've that, watched some of them because yeah. I want to make. Sometimes, if, if we get far enough along, I want to make sure that I would not repeat an idea. That yeah. they, I want to make sure they did their job correctly. Uh, so. Uh, I think we already mentioned the differences between you two. So I know Chris, you're not a big basketball person, but Kyle, I know you are, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into a whole thing in the, on the postseason this, this, this late in the show, but I did want to ask, um, what was your favorite unintentionally hilarious part of the last dance? My favorite unintentionally hilarious part. I, I, I you know, I honestly, I feel like the answer is, uh, what was Jordan's quote that he kept doing through the whole thing? Whenever and I took that personally. Bad. Like, that's like the best thing about the last dance. And I, t- I took that personally. Also, probably the dude, the dude who looked like, a, like a, a failed Kenny Omega clone that beat him in dice. That's probably a pretty good one, too. That is, a, that is an excellent way to describe I, that. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you personally, like, just real quickly. I think probably the thing, like, th- I thought the last dance was great. My, because that's literally my era of basketball. There wasn't, like, sure. new, it wasn't, like, new ground for me. It was just nice to be there again. Yeah. But there's a bit when they finally get to the part where they're, where they're playing the Utah Jazz and no one says anything, but one of the players crosses crosses the screen. And I go, that's Greg Oster tag. <laughs> I haven't thought about him in 22 years. But as soon as I saw him, like I know who all these people are. I was like, oh, this is why I don't remember anything useful. Like this is why I don't <laughs> have anything good or like, uh, you know, I studied art history. I couldn't tell you anything. Uh, but I get if I see Greg Ostertag, boy, you better believe I know some numbers for Greg Ostertag too. <laughs> what a waste of space in my brain. Uh, that's a great. That's a that's an all time basketball doc, in my opinion. There's no, not absolutely. a lot of them, uh, but that's a good one. And that also was like the brief period during which I was paying attention to basketball. So my wife is watching it with me, and and she knows me as not you know a person who follows sports at all uh you know except for like keeping track of of like the philly teams for work and and so she sees me watching the last dance and like paying attention to like steve kerr and 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 those guys and i'm like yeah hun this was like during the like three-year window or so when i was collecting fleer cards and playing nba jam so yes i know who these people are and that first first nba jam was i i had a i used to vcr me playing nba jam so I could better myself at NBA Jam. You were watching your own tapes. I'd, wa- I'd watch literally my, I'd watch literally my own tapes. What a, what a basketball in there! We, uh, I, yeah. I, I tried to. I could, I could never get it. Like everybody, uh, you know, 
all, all my friends that I was like, I, I, I played in high school cause I was giant, but I, He's still I, giant. I, I, I was no good at it. Um, uh, I just yeah. I just would stand in front of people and keep them from that was that was my job. Um, I, I tell my wife all the time if I was four inches taller, like I would have played five years of turkey for sure. I have no doubts about that. If I had four inches taller, or if I had if I had fallen in love with basketball two years earlier, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an that's an old head. Yeah, I love I love I love basketball. Basketball has it's been a resurgence. Like I'm watching more. For a long time, I just played a lot of fancy basketball mm-hmm. um, because I didn't really have the time for it. But now me and my wife make time to watch. And basketball has came back into my life and really we watch we consume so much basketball at seven o'clock i stop what i'm doing mm-hmm. and we're getting here in the playoffs and like my wife like is like what are we gonna do and i'm like i don't know she's like what are we gonna do and i'm like i'm just gonna work all the time i'll never stop and she's like what what about me and i'm like well, i don't know <laughs> uh so yeah i love basketball man I love basketball and pro wrestling are really like there are two things that i love and i love them for very specific ways and i think mm-hmm. they're like the, there's a it's just like comic books. It's just like, it's like the, everything, everything like that is like a garbage niche. Chris probably has like a hundred and I can't think of any of them off the top of hand. We're like that thing that you like that no one else likes or the thing you like that only like the only people who like it only kind of like that one thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's like my Sherlock Holmes group. Like that, you know. It's like your Sherlock Holmes group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like, it's like, it's like, man, but it's like to me, especially with basketball, like I remember the, the moment where I was like, the thing is about basketball and it's not, I say this and everyone who likes a different sport will be like, well, that's not entirely true. And you're right. It's not entirely true. But for me is the one where I was like, look, this is literally art. These guys can make things up in the moment. They can do things that have never been done before in the moment. Like it's art. There's a, there's a real art to it. And like, there's something about competition and art being smushed together. Um, and I just feel like for hockey, there's a lot of it for a running back for sure. You know, like there's, like, there's just a poetry in the moment. And I always felt like it's the most artistic sport. And I know there's arguments against that for sure. But to me, also, there's someone who had the same last name as me. And I've never heard that before. And that helped a lot. So go John Starks. All time great. Oh, man. Um, so uh, as we're wrapping up, uh, what, are you, what are you gentlemen reading right now? Like comic-wise? Um, or- I'm, I'm rereading I, anything. Uh, anything. Yeah, I'm rereading uh, Preacher and Why. Um, hmm. I just finished... I always try to remember one book for when I do these podcasts. I can be like, this was a good book I read because I, I read, I'm trying to read more comics than I used to because uh, of Hoopla and not going anywhere. But uh, mm-hmm. I really loved Pulp by, by Breaker. I think it was the best thing that came out last year. Uh, I, I, I try to get, I think, did you read it, Chris? Did you, have you read it yet? Yeah, I read it. You, you made me. Yeah, I made you. But you, I try to make you to do a lot of things and you never do them. Um, I do them eventually. What was the thing the other day schedule. that you still hadn't watched it yet? What was the thing you just read the other day? And I'm like, I can't believe you haven't watched this yet. Oh, like uh, Righteous Gemstones? No, it wasn't that, you idiot. Um, but yeah, I, the thing you know, okay. is that is that Pulp, you just tweeted about it the other day, and I'm like, I can't believe you still haven't watched this. Um, I'm so mad. I can't, I'm so mad I think about it. It's because it was like two years ago I told you to watch it. Pulp has like a real comic, like working for comics, like mm-hmm. metaphor. Like the whole Pulp writing is about being a comic book writer. And it's like, I wonder if anyone else likes it or if I like it more, you know what I mean? Because like, I'm like, hell yeah, I know what you're talking about, Ed Brubaker. Um, but it's just brilliant, man. Like for so timely. I hope it stands up. I would, it's a book that stands up because I feel like, you know, what I mean, like there's real like things happening in America, mm-hmm. part of it. But I thought, man, that book was good. Um, and like I said I'm rereading Preacher. I'm rereading. Uh, I'm rereading a lot of things because I'm trying to better myself. Chris, Chris insulted how I end comic books, um, casually, and I think the other day he told me he didn't even really mean it, but it, it, I became fixated on 
how greater writers than me end issues now. So I'm backtracking through a lot of stuff to try to figure out how they ended comic book issues, like an actual psychopath. I didn't, I didn't say you were bad at ending issues. I said... You said I was wrong. You said I was doing it wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For those of you, you who are you our listeners, editorial note, and you were like, you were like, can you believe the audacity of this note? And I was like, well, Kyle, here's the thing. And then we 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 got into a talk about. It. But I think I think it's because you we you look at your stories through a lens of them being a complete story and not and i think the the, basically what we what we were talking about was strictly how uh issue endings dictate market i think more than craft and other stuff like how they how they force a a or how they could force uh, a reader to feel as though, well, now I have, to, have to read the yeah. next issue. My, my um, thing is like, I would tell you what is going to happen in the last issue. I would pose a question of, are you interested in seeing a man fight an upright force, for example? Yes. That would be but, the last panel. And but that's saying, but they have to want to know the answer to that question. That's, that's but, the thing. You, you want to invite them in. I, I think that you need to like slip them a ransom note. Like, well, no, you're like uh, you, their their world should change at the end of each issue, basically. Yeah, and I and I and I, I get that invite wrong. them in like that. That's how I deal with it with everything. I'm like, look, either people want to do it or people don't. Like, I'm not going to force anybody Listen, to read my thing. This isn't the time for my therapy or for you backpedaling on how you've ruined my life um, <laughs> with this single with a single tiny criticism. But you know, you, but you know, your stuff's going to be stronger and stronger now that you're you're focusing on it. Yep, that's what I say as I panic at the end of every issue. And the structure for every issue now. Hey, tell them what you're reading right now, because I bet something interesting. Knowing you, no, I'm I, I'm always sort of like half reading um, uh, some Eric Sloan um, like history of tools in early America stuff. But I got a I got a book on um, the this uh, the a particular window that they did renovations of at the Yorkminster Cathedral that I was um, reading about and. So basically, we read the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should be. Oh, I've been been listening to. There's a. I I, I haven't been a big fantasy guy, but I've been trying. I've been trying oh, yeah. to. I'm like, yeah, I I, I want to find some fantasy that I like because in theory, I like it. I like the trappings. I've just never actually liked any of it. Um, mm-hmm. and so um, so I've been reading uh, at somebody's recommendation. Um, or no, not even a recommendation. I, I, I did a commission of one of the characters and I was like, oh, I'll give that one a whirl. Um, but it's Patrick Rothfuss's uh, King Killer books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you I've just, been listening to those on audiobook. And I you really just did The Witcher too, right? You just did The Witcher. Not yeah, I read all The Witcher. Yeah. They're, they're fine. I liked them. He didn't say yeah. what were you reading that you thought was great. Well, no, but I'm not. I, I finished The Witcher like weeks ago. Weeks ago? Yeah. I, so now, so now it's the King Killer ones, but I, I, I do, I am really liking that. I'm. Uh, I've heard they're good. To the second one. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna start reading Grapes of Wrath uh, sometime Cause soon because you're forty now. Because I'm forty now. I've been, <laughs> I've been saving it until I was forty. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
All right, gentlemen, uh, this has been a fantastic chat. Uh, final question, how can people uh, follow you online and keep up with Trigger Keaton and everything else that you got going on? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at the Kyle Starks on all social medias. You can go to my website, kylestarks.com, which also has my merch, uh, which includes my sticker club. You get two stickers a month for $5, it's cool. Uh, and along a bunch of books that we mentioned today and at the Kyle Starks, I also have a Patreon, which is backslash Kyle Starks. We do cool stuff. You also get stickers through that too, if you want to do it. And I talk about how sh much I hate this industry. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Sometimes uh, a little bit. I'm most active on Twitter. Um, my handle is uh, Schweitzer Comics. It's S-C-H-W-E-I-Z-E-R Comics. Okay. Um, and I, I have an Instagram that I almost never post to anymore because the algorithms got it to where I'm like, it's, you know, it gets a good amount of likes. I haven't gotten new followers in like who knows how many years at this point, it seems. So I'm like, ah, it's kind of, I don't know. I've, I've grown bored with Instagram, um, but Twitter, I still have a lot of engagement with folks. So I, I stay on that. Yeah. One. We're best on Twitter. I've been trying to get off social media, not off of it, but again, I'm taking a break and I've been loving it. I, I like it because I, I don't, I, I jealously guard my, scheduled interactions with other humans um yeah. like i'm real hermity kyle's kyle's the only person who texts me regular that i mm -hmm. answer um and uh, uh outside of my my immediate family um and uh and so twitter's nice because when i feel like i want to have human connection i can pop on yeah i feel minutes. the same way and then pop off and then that's that's great like i i would never want anytime i'm on a text chain i immediately like turn off notifications and i was like nope never never i, I don't want to, i i don't like to be disturbed mm -hmm. um same but that's what you, Kyle. Look, that's what you disturb me hey, yeah i text you i'm not getting on twitter to send you a twitter note uh and i have a i have a patreon too um his patreon is great yeah, I've been. It hadn't been. I haven't posted much in the past couple of weeks because I've been swamped with this Skybound X story. But uh, I'll get to it soon. Yeah, highly recommend Schweitzer's Patreon. It's a good one. Thanks, pal. I don't recommend mine unless you just want some stickers because I don't do anything. <laughs> They're real good stickers. I post like once a month, and then it's like not much. All right, Kyle, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks yeah, thanks for having, having us, us, man. It's been fun, and having us together, together for the times to talk about the thing, Chris. <laughs> Here we are, a it's joint grand. venture, best friends, and comics, <laughs> six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Chris, <laughs> we did it. We did it. We'll do it again. Well, we, we, you, you, you did it. I have two more issues to draw. Oh, I'm still involved. <laughs> I gotta keep an eye on this boy. Hey, thanks for having us, guys. Kyle Starks at thekylestarks.com. No, that's not right. At the CalStarks.com. Gosh, just find me. Buy something. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Chris's on Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at ComicsXF.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. 
A $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. A $3 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, that one time Pete Wisdom stopped a vampire invasion from the moon. WMQA.